Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley, a beloved teacher of the Course, who has helped thousands learn how to express their beliefs from moment to moment in their everyday lives. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour, so happy to join with you today. Yes, well, things are hopping in the world and within. I'm definitely feeling that. (laughs) Shifts and changes here in the Northern Hemisphere. We're in spring now, uh, though we had a big blizzard uh, just on the second day of spring. And... uh, Today, I'm going to Germany. I'm going to be in Germany for a week, and then I'm going to Poland, my first trip to Poland in a week, and uh, I'm excited to go and be with uh, some folks and friends in those countries, although I'm not teaching. I'm, I'm going along with my teacher as a student, and... Um, I'm excited for that. I did an an episode with my teacher who's a a Buddhist and a Cherokee chief. Her name is Venerable Dahani Iwahu. And you can learn about her at sunray.org if you're interested. Um, So I'm I'm excited to go and be with her for a couple of weeks. And uh, gosh, there's just so much going on in... in, uh, this year, that this speeding up of time and space continuum is—it's uh, happening. <laughs> it's happening, and um, I'm excited today. Uh, I'm I'm going to start us off with a prayer here in just a moment, but I am so excited. I have uh, my new friend Corinne Zupko here on the show today, and uh, you want to say hi, Corinne. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here with you today, Jennifer. Yes. So we're going to talk about Corinne's new book, uh, which is oh, couldn't come at a better time for many, many folks. And uh, so we'll be talking about that. And let us begin with a prayer. I invite you to place your hand on your heart. And we just begin with these breaths of love and gratitude, tuning in, tuning up partnering up with the higher Holy Spirit Self. Our true nature and our true identity is this perfect holiness. So we're grateful to come together for the purpose of remembering it, the purpose of recognizing it and giving it its full sway over our life, over our very being. We're grateful and thankful to join together for the purpose of releasing all the causes of anxiety, worry, fear, and doubt. We're letting them go. We're giving them away. We are grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to experience our true and peaceful nature. We're sharing the benefits with all beings because we are one with them. In gratitude, we let the healing be. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yeah, so uh, our our topic here today with Corinne is her new book, which is entitled From Anxiety to Love, A Radical New Approach for Letting Go of Fear and Finding Lasting 
peace. And Corinne is a longtime Course in Miracles student. Um, she, uh, I've, I, I think I first met you at a Course in Miracles conference in Chicago. Mm-hmm, I think so. Yeah, and um, you've been a speaker at the last couple conferences, and uh, people just love what you're sharing and teaching. I'm so glad you've written this book, and uh, we're going to be, uh, my ministry, Power of Love Ministry, is going to sponsor a class that uh, is, uh, we're going to be announcing it um, now, and uh, it's going to be April 2nd and 9th two-part class on this topic so let's let's jump into the the topic here and uh, let me just ask you first Corinne how did you come to A Course of Miracles? I love that question it really ties into my journey with anxiety because I was I, I like to think of myself as really born anxious I was already very primed for anxiety as a young mm. child because anxiety was common in my family, mental health issues were common, and I had my very first psychiatric diagnosis at the young age of two. I was diagnosed with separation anxiety disorder, and throughout my childhood, it sort of morphed. I grew out of the separation anxiety, but I developed phobias and intense fears of sickness. By the age of 12, I had an ulcer, and in college, that's a time typically when mental health issues might surface for many people. And that's when I broke down with panic disorder. That was my next psychiatric diagnosis. And <sighs> the night of my first panic attack, leading up to that time, my mom had tried to talk to me about this book called A Course in Miracles. <laughs> she was already on this path. And with being you know, in my teens with that teenage defiance, I would literally cover my ears with my hands and I'd be like, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) I'm not interested. Speak to me in English like you used to. I was a brat. Like I really actually remember saying that to her because she was trying to just offer this to me, but I was not ready and I was not open to hearing it. However, that night when I broke down with my first panic attack, what happened Mm. There was a student on campus where I was a college student. I didn't know him personally, but he died very suddenly, and it unraveled me at the seams. I had actually wrestled with the question up to this point. People say God is love, Mm -hmm. and if God is love, how can a loving God create things that die? It just did not make sense to me. I didn't, Mm. it it was really hard for me to wrestle with that question and, and grapple with it, and nothing ever answered that question for me. So I remember that question coming back to mind. And I remember feeling this spike of fear when I learned about this very sudden death, afraid I might be next. And I calmed myself down to get through the day, went to bed and 3am that next morning, it was an experience. And if anybody listening has had a panic attack, you know how hard it is to convey to other people what it's like, but it felt like a punch in the stomach of pure terror of stress hormones. I remember my whole body trembling from head to toe. As I woke up, I was gasping for air. I was shaking and sweating and my heart was racing. I was terrified. I thought I was just about to die. I thought I was literally just going to die. And 
I remember climbing down my bunk bed with my knees like knocking because I was, I was shaking so badly. And I went into the bathroom of my suite with my phone. I didn't have a cell phone back then. So it was our, our room phone stretched out Mm. the wire. And magically at three o'clock in the morning, my mom picked up the phone. I don't know how it was. It was a miracle that she heard the phone ring because Mm. both of us sleep with earplugs and a white noisemaker, like anything to block out noise. But she heard the phone ring and she picked it up and she talked with me. She just sat with me. She assured me because we figured out together that it must be an anxiety attack. It must be a panic attack. Mm. She offered to me again. She said, Corinne, I know you haven't wanted to hear this before, but there's this book that I study called A Course in Miracles. It's all about learning how to release fear and return to the peace and the love and the light that's already in us. I really think it can help you. Are you interested? And in that moment, I said, I will try anything. Bring it on. I'm ready. I am ready, ready, ready to try it. So Mm. that was the moment that I said yes. And shortly thereafter, I don't know if it was that very next weekend that I went home and my mom gave me my first copy of A Course in Miracles, which I still have. It is no longer even held together with duct tape and electrical tape because (laughs) the spine has fallen off and the covers, you know, have both fallen off, but I still have it sort of together. She wrote on the inside some words to the song Amazing Grace. And in that Mm -hmm. moment, I remember opening the book and reading those first lines, nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists, herein lies the peace of God. And to be totally honest with you, I had no idea what that meant, but it was as if a little spark of light in my heart suddenly grew brighter. It was mm. as if that that love and peace that I so desperately wanted again, that I felt like I just lost, it was as if suddenly it bubbled up to the surface and something in me said yes. Something in me knew what those words meant, even though I did not understand what they meant with my logical mind. So that was my hook. That was the moment I started studying. And to this day, that was back in 1997, to this day, I have not put down the book because it continues to bring me more deeply inwards. It brings me more, more deeply into the teachings to the degree to which I'm willing to get out of the way. What a journey. Yes. Wow. (laughs) A journey. What a journey. Good Lord. What a long, strange journey. (laughs) Yes. But ultimately a beautiful one and a good one. And this is where I want everyone listening to know that our greatest, your greatest struggle can be your greatest teacher. As we learn to repurpose everything, as we learn to give everything that we are experiencing, everything that we believe, all of our perceptions, as we give those to the Holy Spirit, we're saying now, use this to help me wake up instead of the ego using it to convince us of our separation. So I'm grateful for the long, strange journey. I'm grateful Mm -hmm. for the anxiety because it's brought me to the course and it's brought me to a place of pure openness and pure desire to want to know again that which I have chosen to forget. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What what a beautiful you know, I just I, the thought that comes into my mind is what a long strange trip it's been. Uh that it's each life is so unique and what I hear, Corinne, is your journey sounds really intense, mm-hmm. super, super intense, uh, and, and a very unique journey. And I can only imagine how often you felt um, alone or lost or confused or hopeless or helpless. Mm-hmm. And we all have our different versions of that. Yours seems uniquely intense to me. It feels that way. And yet, what I've seen with my own journey, and I see it in many of my friends who are teachers, that there is a way, and of course, Miracles shows us the way, to have a divine alchemy, that's what I call it, it's a divine alchemy of turning what was once a dead lead weight into a fine refined gold that is something that we can truly share with others in a helpful way and you are doing that. Mm, Thank you. You know, that's where I... You mentioned the book. I had to write it. I literally had no choice in the matter. I did not set out with the thought in mind, oh, I want to be an author or, oh, I want to be a teacher. It literally, I had to do it. I had no choice. And so the journey that I've gone through, and yes, it was really intense for anyone listening. You know, my, my, my biggest anxiety trigger was always fears surrounding my body and sickness. And what is that symptom? You know, if I feel a little pain, it was, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I remember one time on my Course Miracles study group that I facilitate telling folks a story about how I felt, you know, a pain in my side and that little voice of fear whispered, it's your liver. <laughs> and in the past, I would have gone crazy with that. I would have been like, oh my gosh, got to go to the doctor. You know, you're dying. That's it. It's something awful. And what was left instead at that point in time, and this is a few years ago now, was like a residue. It was like a residue that did not have that charge. It did not have that same hook. And so the journey that I've been through, the other part about why I'm grateful. And I'm so grateful for A Course in Miracles because it is a way out of hell. Mm -hmm. I feel just so grateful to be able to now turn around and say, hey, here, you know, this helps. Here's what I've learned. So you don't have to necessarily spend maybe as much time as I did sorting my way through the course and understanding. Here are the principles of it that helped me the most, that were most significant in bringing me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful for that. And and yes, I am. Yeah. And, and so let's see if we can be helpful to some folks today. And um, just to let people know they can get your book pretty much anywhere, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I know I ordered it from Amazon.com, so 
Uh, oh, and and um, what's your website? My website is the same title as the book. So it's from anxiety to love.com. And so I have a lot of resources there too podcast episodes and videos and blog posts talking all about A Course in Miracles and anxiety. So, what if you, um, what do you find? Because you, you uh, work with uh, people who are therapists and becoming therapists, and uh, what are for people who feel that they notice they're anxious a lot mm-hmm. uh, and people who are perhaps maybe they have a, a clinical diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, but for people who this is uh, really a, a major, major issue for them, uh, what could you say, before we even get into how people can uh, what people could do and and things like that. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them in terms of what you've seen with others, practicing what you teach? Mm-hmm. What could you say is a, a normal, average kind of a result that you have seen with other people using what you're sharing here? Mm-hmm. Great question. The... Results that I've seen. Now, the book just came out, and I've just, it came out a month ago, actually. And the feedback that I've been getting has been incredible. Now, I've gotten feedback from folks. And again, in, in teaching these principles on, you know, the study group calls that I lead and, and just communicating with people through my website and, and Facebook and, you know, with everything that I've been sharing for years, that on one hand, I got some feedback that a person I know gave the book to a friend of a friend's daughter because that daughter really struggles with anxiety. And this person that I know had no idea how it would be received. She had no idea if they were spiritual people. The feedback that came back was that that girl, who I believe is in her 20s, had very significant anxiety. And after beginning to dive into the book for the first time, had an anxiety-free day and slept at night, actually had a peaceful night's sleep, which was huge for her. Now, my guess is that that is coming from the fact that, you know, recognizing that you're not alone because number one, one of the greatest tricks that anxiety does is make us think that we're the only one in the world that feels this way, (laughs) which is not true. Um, That result of having some, you know, instant significant relief can absolutely be there. I think the more norm is that it comes in bits and pieces. That's how it happened for me. It was like moments of respite. And then let's dive back into, you know, the the, I don't want to say battleground, but like, you know, the, the field there and, and do some more of this work with, you know, the Holy Spirit and looking at some of this. So the, the, the normal average kind of result, I, I would say, is the kind of result that people report from doing the course. It's work in that we have to show up Every day, we have to show up. This is a moment-to-moment practice. So it does require work. It does require showing up. And yet, 
because right now we are safe at home in love. You know, we the Course says that we have not, we are exactly the same as we are in truth right now. We, we are just as safe as we were before the seeming separation. We are just as safe, you know, now, even though it seems like the separation has occurred. There's part of us that knows of our eternity. And I feel like that part, when some of these messages touch that part, we can have these instant moments of relief, these instant moments of of recognition. It's really the development of trust in that part of the course. I love that part. You know, there's the period of undoing, the period of relinquishment, the period of sorting out. That really has been my experience in that this has happened. Healing has happened for me in layers and levels, so to speak, like that onion, that example of the onion that we always talk about where we peel back the layers, you know, one at a time to get to that love that's at the core. But but it's really just this one core belief that we are separate that needs healing for all the rest to fall away. So I would say, to answer your question in a nutshell, the normal result is moments of pure respite that we're able to place our faith and trust in and that we then have an experience of, you know, maybe some additional challenges rising to the surface, another layer of the onion coming up to be looked at and healed. So I really think it's so important that we all keep an open mind in releasing expectations as to what this needs to look like or how fast it needs to happen. We will progress more quickly when we release all expectations and continue to show up on a moment to moment basis. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yes. I I really feel too, as you were telling that story about the young woman who just after reading a little bit had uh, a good night's sleep. I find that our higher self, the I am presence, the Holy Spirit, whatever people would like to call it, um, it clearly gives us signs to mm-hmm. help us know this is the way, this is not the way. Mm-hmm. And um, so to me, something like that is telling us this is the way. Yeah. You, you know, you wish to relieve yourself of this. This is the way. It's working already. And so we then take that as an impetus to if we are really sincere to move forward with it. And um, that's so beautiful. I I really feel the energy of that. And uh, it's so different to live a life that's peaceful versus one that's anxiety-ridden. And uh, it's... It's truly, I think, when someone has a lot of anxiety and worry and doubt and fear, and they're so used to it, that it's actually unimaginable to even have an idea of what the difference would be, truly Mm -hmm. would be, to live without that. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that very much, and that's where, you know, in a way... When we only know anxiety, 
that's where these moments of respite, I love how you describe that, that feeling of, you know, this is the way, that resonance that happens deep within, that speaks to us, that we can choose to then nurture that and go in that direction and do that work. When we have those moments, that's the beauty of contrast is that we can then see, oh, you know, I got a glimpse. That's what that feels like. And, you know, here's, I know how the anxiety feels like, and I know how intense that can be. And which do I want? Which do I want? Because we, I think most, probably all of us can immediately say, oh, I don't want the anxiety. But one of the things that we need to do in this healing journey is to get radically honest with ourselves. I talk about radical honesty in the book because in my experience, being so, so honest with myself, with the I am presence, with the Holy Spirit, is key in healing because we're no longer hiding anything. We're no longer just let's say, dismissing an anxious or negative or socially unacceptable thought, we're saying, oh, yuck, I just thought that, and I'm going to take that to the Holy Spirit without any guilt. So the the contrast of that is is really, really important to be able to, to see in, you know, in our healing process. So with the um, radical self-honesty, we then have the ability to look at any benefits that we get out of having anxiety. For instance, mm-hmm. I had to get honest that it was a great excuse for me to not do things. I could just be like, oh, I'm not feeling well. I don't, you know, so I'm not going to join whatever it was that I didn't want to do. That was a benefit using anxiety as an excuse. Instead, when I, when I realized that I was doing that, I had to be like, oh, I need to learn how to just say no because I don't want to have to keep the anxiety in order to get that benefit of using it as an excuse. I don't want to do that anymore. I've now had these glimpses of peace. I want that. I want to go in that direction. So the radical honesty and looking at any, you know, positive benefits that we might get to our negative states, I believe is very critical to in the healing process. Oh, very well said. Yeah, very, very helpful. Uh, so for someone who says, okay, you, if, if, since every one of our listeners is familiar with A Course in Miracles, or at least spiritual teachings, uh, what have been some of the cornerstones that have helped you in releasing the patterns of anxiety? And so the first thing would be, Looking at it from an A Course in Miracles perspective, how do you view the experience of anxiety? Mm, I love that question. I view the from the perspective of the Course, it goes to the lesson in the workbook, sickness is a defense against the truth. So substitute the word sickness with anxiety or whatever our issue is. I liked substituting for with anxiety. So anxiety is a defense against the truth. What does that mean? That means that this is the ego's best 
shot at giving me bait that it knows I'm going to take. <laughs> it, the anxiety is so compelling and it would, you know, freak me out and be so uncomfortable and so intense. And the health fears were so, you know, they brought up such a fear response in me so quickly. I looked at that anxiety as like bait that the ego was dangling in front of me saying, oh, come on, take the bait, take the bait. Because if I'm focused on the anxiety, I am therefore going to be unaware of the truth beneath it. I'm going to therefore be turning away from truth because that anxiety is so compelling. So I love that lesson. Sickness or anxiety is a defense against the truth, meaning that there's part of me that is choosing to use anxiety to keep my awareness of love's presence out of my awareness. And that, I know that that can sound, that can maybe, you know, raise some, ruffle our feathers a little bit um, when we hear that lesson. But for me, it put me back in a place of power. It put me back in the seat of being able to decide do I want to keep doing this or do I not? And therefore, that was actually a very helpful way for me to look at it in terms of, you know, anxiety simply just being a defense against the truth. And, you know, there's part of me that's gotten afraid of knowing God, of knowing that love. And so I'm just kind of retreating into the anxiety, into the ego instead. So that's how one of the, that, that's one of the definite cornerstones that helped me from a course perspective, release anxiety. I totally get that. And so then some people might have questions, Corinne, like, well, why would I choose that? Mm -hmm. Why would I choose that for myself? Great question. That's a very, very logical and, and, totally understandable question to have. This, I tend to look at this. Now, this is where I go back more into the metaphysics of the class, uh, I'm sorry, of the course, that maybe it's not Corinne consciously choosing this. Maybe in some ways I do, like for instance, before where I said, you know, I was using it as an excuse, but I go back into the metaphysics of the course in that, you know, the course talks about how the ego wrote its script of separation the moment you know that it it had this tiny mad idea and i almost like to think of it as you know this part of my sleeping unconscious mind has just picked this as a particular script because again it's going to be so compellingly painful and real that it's going to prevent me from from being aware of the ever present divine love that permeates absolutely everything. So we have to, we, we cannot, a happy learner cannot feel guilty about learning. That's a quote from the course. We, this idea of, you know, choosing particular situations, we can't get caught up. This isn't blaming the victim. This isn't um, a means for increasing guilt at all. We don't even have to fully understand it. And I have actually a specific example of of this sort of at play. Um, I don't know how I'm choosing for this, I, mm-hmm. I, I, but I'm willing to experiment with the idea that maybe somehow I am. And therefore, 
Holy Spirit, I'm willing to look at this with you. You know, I'm willing to take that radical responsibility that I don't understand if I'm calling this forth. I have no idea, but I'm willing to take radical responsibility that maybe somehow I am and I'm going to just play with this. I'm going to experiment with it and see when I do that, what happens. And in my experience, what has happened is that I've had very big miracles come out as a result of playing with this idea of radical responsibility. So um, it, those have been experiences that have built my trust in these teachings, in the course, and in experimenting with this idea of, you know, of, of taking responsibility that somehow, in some way that I don't fully get, um, there's part of me that signed up for this so I can be distracted from love and continue to think that I'm a separate self. <laughs> mm. Yep. It's that taking responsibility is so key to our healing. And of course the ego never wants to take responsibility. Never. <laughs> never. It, it's, it's death. Taking responsibility is death to the ego. So that's why the ego invented blame. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And it's funny, you know, the when you're pointing a finger and blaming somebody else, there's three fingers pointing back at you, right? Like if you're pointing your your index finger out, your middle, your ring and your pinky finger are pointing back at you. So that's where the course teaching the the course says, I love this quote. The secret of salvation is but this, you are doing this unto yourself, meaning we do have some sort of active role that we're playing in this dream of separation. And if we can just experiment with the idea, not even if we intellectually get it, but just experiment with this responsibility, that makes room for big miracles to come in. Indeed, it does. It, 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 it's another alchemical experience that we can have. And uh, I have so many times I've said, okay, I don't know what this is about. I don't know where this come, came from. And I don't really need to know. I just, I'm, it's like in the responsibility for sight. I'm responsible for what I see. I, my shorthand of it is uh, I'm responsible for what I see and everything is just as I wish it would be. So uh, I'll say that to myself. So I say, oh, great. Okay. So I must wish for this in some way. I've got what I wish. Uh, let me accept it and see, would I like to um, modify my order in any way? like to send this back and say, okay, I, I thought I wanted to have a steak, but actually I'd like to have a salad. Uh, I, I thought I wanted to be in misery, but actually I decided no, no, not so much anymore. And give it back to the Holy Spirit, who will undo all the consequences of our wrong decision. Yes, yes, I love that prayer we on my study group we call it page 90 you know in fi in the fip edition at least one of the older printings that i have it's on page 90 that i like yes. to think of that prayer as like a reset button you know i must have decided wrongly because i'm not at peace i made the decision myself but i can also decide otherwise i want to decide otherwise because i want to be at peace and I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. And I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. So that prayer was so helpful to me also with anxiety because I would even worry, 
am I affecting my health with all these stress hormones and all this anxiety? And I would think of that line from that prayer that you just said, the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. And I choose to let him. And so that would bring me back to this place of like, oh, that's another fear that I can release. I don't even have to you know, worry about that. So I'm so grateful you brought that up because that's one of my most favorite prayers and reset buttons in A Course in Miracles. Mm. Me too. Me too, me too. Uh, so in giving people a prescription of what to do and how to hold it in their mind, sometimes it's also super helpful to give people a clear, a couple of clear things, Corinne, that things that they're maybe doing unconsciously that they can stop doing. I, I find that it's so helpful for me if I People resist doing this, but I, I, I invite people in my classes all the time to make lists of things. So to make list, uh, lists of your judgmental thoughts, make lists of your self-attacking thoughts. And people, they don't want to think about those things. You know, they don't wish to often sit down and look at these things and go over them and pay attention to them. But when we put down on a piece of paper one of the biggest issues I have is I have this behavior, I have this thought. Then the next time we're starting that behavior, the next time we're beginning to think that thought, the Holy Spirit ties it together for us. And it's like a little bell goes off. Wait a minute, here's my choice point. Do, is What am I going to choose? Am I going to choose to go down that road again knowing where it's going to lead me, I call it getting on the pain train. Am I going to get on the pain train again knowing the only place it's going to take me is Margaritaville and I don't want to go there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I, I don't want to take that journey and I don't want to go with those people. I, I don't want to do that thing. So I can see the doors are opening. I can let the doors close, let the train pull out of the station. So are there certain things that you've come to see that are kind of universal, that are anxiety triggers that we can eliminate? Good question for anxiety triggers that are universal. You know, I feel like the, I feel like even though there's a statistic that 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety disorders, I believe that that is low because that is just the diagnosed anxiety disorders and it's just people who have like gotten help. There's many people who don't and there's many people who have anxiety on a much lesser extreme. So if you think about it as a continuum and on the high end are those disorders, on the low end are the anxieties that we all deal with. You know, am I going to have enough money? Is this going to work? Is this going to happen? What if? All of those what ifs. I feel like that that those two words, what if or I should have dot dot dot. I feel like those are universal anxiety triggers for everybody. Um, you know, just simple thoughts like that. So I do see that the I, I want to go back to your lists suggestion because that okay. is I, I really, really encourage that and talk about that in my book. But 
to finish this thought, the thoughts that freak us out, the thoughts that give us anxiety, like what if, or I should have, even if it's a small degree of stress, if we can start to catch those rather than just brush them aside, if we can start to say with radical honesty, oh, I just had that thought and rather than keep it to myself, I want to bring it to the light. I want to give it to the Holy Spirit. That's where we start to heal and step out of this closed loop thought system, which is the ego thought system, which will always do. It will want to always go back to the what ifs and the I should have and, you know, all that comes with it. So those are some ideas for that sort of universal uh, trigger of anxiety. But I really want to highlight your suggestion for people about making lists because I call this laundry lists and making your laundry list. I call it that in my book. And what I like to encourage people to do, and this anxiety is a powerful motivator. You know, when we feel that strong anxiety, let it motivate you to heal rather than Mm, letting it motivate you to keep obsessing and to retreat into fear. Let it motivate you to heal. Let it motivate you to do this work. So get that pen and paper and start writing down everything that you can think of that you're currently freaking out about. Everything that is currently bothering you, everything that's stressing you out, get it all down. Because number one, getting it out on paper gets it out of that swimming around in your head. This is If you find that you can't fall asleep at night because your head is just spinning, this is a great tool is to write out everything that is on your mind so it's out on paper. You're free to pick up the worries tomorrow morning when you're done sleeping because you have it on paper. You're not going to forget about it. But um, getting them out, then the next step, what I would add with what you already shared about the list making is that we can then one by one apply the course's healing process to each one of those fears. So if if the thing on your list is, you know, I'm afraid of losing my job, we can ask ourselves, okay, am I willing to look at this with the Holy Spirit? Yes. And then in your mind, slowing down and saying to Holy Spirit, here's this fear. I'm willing to look at this with you. And you can even imagine that it's like the sun shining into something that previously was in a shadow. It's like, it's like turning over a stone and exposing the underside that's, you know, moist and maybe has some moss or mold. You're, you're turning it upside down. So now that part that was hidden is receiving the light and just like fog evaporates when the light hits it. We can release each one of these fears. We can at least be willing to look at each one of these fears with Holy Spirit. So I love, love, love the list idea that has been so helpful for me in my healing journey as well. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah, it's um, shining the light, bringing things to the light, from the darkness to the light, when we're willing to put our attention on things, it is a tremendous act of self-love. And that's part of why it's so healing, because think of it this way, and I I know you know this, Corinne, but just speaking to um, our audience, if you think of it this way, let's say you have someone in your life, could be a friend, could be a family member, someone that... You you don't enjoy that much. 
You really don't. Like, God bless them. You know, mm-hmm. nothing against them, but eh, they're just not that enjoyable to be around. Um, but, you know, you see them at a party, you can say, you know, how's the kids, blah, blah, blah. Or you, um, you, 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 you don't mind making a little chit-chat with them, but you really don't want to sit down and have a long one-on-one with them because they're going to be complaining. Maybe they'll start crying. Uh, they might be afraid and get emotional and tell you things you don't really want to know about. So you avoid that level of connection with them because uh, let's just keep it, let's just see if we can keep it light. Oh, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. You had a bad time. You lost your job. And cheer up. Things will get better. You know, you might have that kind of a relationship with them, though that sounds awful to me. But anyway, <laughs> but it's we kind of do that with ourselves. You know, like, how are you doing today? Not so good. Okay, well, let's watch TV together then. Okay. You know, let's not think about that. You know, or... Um, and so it's it's almost like we avoid our being with ourselves really it's not almost like it's exactly like we avoid being with ourselves because we're really not in a mood to find out what's going on in there because it it just feels like a hornet's nest mm-hmm. and we don't want to go near it and so but but i can say as having been a counselor as, as you have for very long time now and worked with so many people i one of my favorite things on my retreats is when someone comes in and they look as though they have been energetically just tortured and they come in and they they do not smile they are unhappy people and they are just totally broadcasting it they are you know they're there by the skin of their teeth it's just an absolute miracle that they would ever get themselves to that retreat or even that workshop or whatever that counseling session whatever it is and then after a few days in the retreat they're laughing they're smiling but over the course of the weekend they've gone deep with themselves they've looked at themselves in the mirror they've shared deeply and they've they've you know in some cases they may have cried and cried and and they've gone through but look at the now it's not like you know if you have a, a pimple and it just you're it, it never pops you know it, it there's the healing can't happen so uh just making a list giving yourself some attention because we all have the light of god within us and we shine the light of god on ourselves then there we can really have a healing I so love everything that you just said, and that even can get as specific as getting off your phone, (laughs) getting off the computer. We have so many opportunities in our day-to-day life to be pulled out of ourselves. There's nothing in our culture, there's nothing in our jobs, usually, that encourages us to do exactly what you're describing, and that is to go within, to have a relationship with ourselves, to feel connected with ourselves. We have to make that call. We have to be the one to decide to put the phone down, to get off the computer, to spend 
me time. That's one of the most healing things that we can do is to give ourselves that loving, loving, compassionate attention. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. He, healing, it, it, it does, it, it can happen so quickly and it does require our willingness, like you've been saying. So, hmm. So I get to ask you, Corinne, uh, in, in writing the book, what, what were, what was something that really just jumped out at you that you had to let people know? That's a juicy question. So I love sharing stories from my own life. And many times I'd be writing them down because I didn't want to forget them because they were such big learning opportunities for me. And one of the things, actually, gosh, there's so many, I could answer this in so many different ways. I'll, I'll, I'll give a story and I'll give just a succinct point. The succinct point that I realized when I was writing the book is that anxiety sufferers have a gift. We have a true strength because we have a very easy time recognizing fear. I could tell you the tiniest little twinge of feeling off in my stomach. I could tell you the tiniest little, you know, glimmering of a fearful thought coming into my mind. I'm so hyper attuned, particularly probably because of all the hypochondria and all the body focus that I had for so long. But I know that other anxiety sufferers, you have an easy time feeling fear. You have an easy time feeling anxiety. That repurposed becomes an asset in healing because those tiny times that we feel off before we spiral down the ego rabbit hole, we can say, oh, I'm noticing something here. What is this that I need to pay attention to? What is this that I need to, like we said already, write a list about, you know, get out or sit with or feel? So that's my succinct thing. And the story, I'll just have to give you a very quick um, summary of the story. I go into this a lot more in detail in the book. It was an experience about calling forth witnesses for fear or witnesses for love. And I was experimenting with this radical responsibility idea, as we talked about already. I had to get blood work drawn. And as I was doing so, this nurse was pretty insensitive and was like, you know, why are you here in the doctor's office? Because I was there because of some hypochondriac, you know, reason. And when I said my symptoms, she's like, oh, that's not good, which alarmed me. And then she goes, you know, I was like, well, I've had it my whole life. And she goes, that's not good. And then she goes, don't you pass out on me. And guess what I did? I, I came very close to passing out. And so I could have blamed her, but instead I chose to look at that as somehow I called forth a witness for fear and she agreed. <laughs> she agreed to play that role. Fast forward and I had to go get more lab work done because this doctor was like, oh, let's investigate this a little bit more. And now you have to go to a hospital. So I went to this hospital. I was still nervous but I was determined to call forth witnesses for love. I was determined to have an experience of love instead of fear. And I walked in and long story short, it was the mom of a college 
sweetmate who was working at the desk. She did the lab work, no pass out response. And as I was leaving, she turned to me and she said, it was a Monday. She said, Corinne, she's like, this is amazing. She's like, I never work on Mondays. And I got called in 30 minutes before you showed up. That to me was one of those stories that I just had to let everybody know about because it showed me that we have the power in any given moment to see those witnesses for fear or to see those witnesses for love. Wow. <sighs> yes, exactly. And the most important part is that you recognized it. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, we, uh, let's see, just in, in terms of uh, our, oh, I'm looking at the clock. We're, we're out of time. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, yeah, it's time for us to wrap it up. I I can see that there's just, we've just... We haven't even scratched the surface. We've just looked at the surface. For. That's what our class is for. <laughs> so, um, yes, that's what the class is for. So to go deeper, and uh, I know people are going to want to go even deeper than that. So a couple of things. Your website is from anxiety to love, and from anxiety to love dot com, and. Uh, I also want to ask you, do you do one-on-one counseling with people? At the moment, no, but I will definitely be doing some group programs and that might, that might come down the road, but at the moment with book launch stuff, not at the... Okay. So, uh, Corinne's class in the Power of Love Ministry, which I'll be uh, letting you know about it from jenniferhadley.com. Corinne will also be letting people know about it. Uh, the class is going to have two sessions on uh, April 2nd and April 9th. They will be recorded. They're going to be on Zoom, so they're on a video platform. So, you can see Corinne and ask her questions. And... Um, so you, you'll be able to get all the details at jenniferhadley.com. And uh, and if you're on my mailing list, of course, you'll get it there, too. And since it's time to wrap up, I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment. And before I do, I'd like to just make a couple of announcements. Uh, speaking of retreats, I've got a number of things coming up. Uh, I have my Stop Playing Small Retreat at the end of April. It's the last weekend in April. It's four days and three nights at the Art of Living Retreat Center in North Carolina. And I'm following that intentionally right away, immediately following it, is my Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive. And so I haven't done a Stop Playing Small Retreat in a couple of years. I People keep asking me, when's the next one? I don't know. This is the only one that I know of now. Uh, the next spiritual counseling training intensive will be in October if you're intent on doing those programs with me. Power of Love Ministry is expanding from not just having the Masterful Living class and the Finding Freedom 
boot camp class, we're also moving into, uh, we've been doing the spiritual counseling certification for a few years now, four years now, and we're moving into ministerial and prayer practitioner offerings. John Mundy is joining me in doing some retreats this summer in July. I'll be sending out details soon uh, if you don't have them already. Uh, and um, uh, we're going to do a retreat on writing spiritual inspiration, teaching workshops and classes, and then speaking. Three back-to-back retreats uh, in July, July 5th to the 15th. So we're working out those details and getting them to you. And more to come, more to come, more to come. So thank you so much, Corinne. I've, I've got to um, oh, take us into prayer here now. I'm so grateful and thankful for the love of God shining as Corinne, as each and every one of us. So grateful that we're giving up the habits of playing small and living in fear and lack. So grateful and thankful that our true nature is unlimited, unprecedented, pure love. And we're already there. We're willing to drop every block to love and recognize our true nature. And we're grateful to bless everyone with our lives. In gratitude, we let it be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen.